I think it's very important people volunteer, whether it's whatever is your tree. You know, Julia Butterfly Hill, who sat in the redwood tree for two years up in Northern California, without her feet touching the ground, trying to save the her tree in the Pacific, or in the on the Pacific Northwest. She says, "What what is your tree? What is your tree? My tree's animals. Your tree's animals. Somebody else. It might be children. It might be world hunger." You know, it might be seniors, it could be fighting cancer. You know, everybody's got their thing that, that really makes them tick and are passionate about. So I encourage everybody, like Julia Butterfly Hill, to to really get involved. And we, we need to get over ourselves, you know. Most of us are really super blessed and grateful. And just to get out there and share your light and to help other people. And, you know, we can't be depressed. I mean, we can allow ourselves, but then we need to get out there and give back because that's when we get the most joy. That was Kathleen Kastner, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Yes, it is the YTP, another installment of this pure labor of love. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. And if you're a YT junkie, well, I just have to say that's the best kind of junkie to be. Thanks for all the great feedback on last week's episode with Yogi athlete Amir Madison, his powerful story from professional football to finding yoga, turning to a vegan diet, and unearthing his life's purpose definitely struck some chords. We always appreciate when you guys reach out to us and let us know how the show is assisting you in living bigger into yourself, because this is what the world needs, everyone. You guys, it needs us to be more of ourselves. And today we've got a great guest for you, someone who has bet big, taken risks, and followed her heart to let her life unfold. Ex-exercise, sugar, and caffeine addict Kathleen Kastner now dedicates her time to saving one animal at a time, practicing yoga every day, meditating, and educating others on the vegan way of living. She is light. Like literally every time I see her or I see a picture of her, she's just dressed all in white and she has this beautiful blonde hair, but she is, she's just so light and she's compassionate and she's seriously funny. She rocks her contagious laugh throughout our conversation as we dive into her evolution from partier to vegan, personal trainer to dedicated yogi. Kathleen has lived a blessed life where divine guidance has so clearly dropped its gifts on her journey. I loved getting to know Kathleen. I think you guys will too. Personally, I found so many parallels in my own story to hers and absolutely adored how she has lived her life in a Hail Mary fashion. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about how in the midst of resistance and negative reception that Kathleen has taken risks in her life, made big changes and continued to follow her heart. She is the perfect example of someone who has lived against the grain. And as a result, she's been able to see her life unfolding right before her, and it does it with this perfection. And that doesn't mean that, perfection doesn't mean that there aren't tough times. It just means that by living in this manner, she is living her purpose. It is unfolding so perfectly for her. There's no doubt in my mind that she came into this life with an intuitive strength that she has relied on from a young age. A natural-born vegetarian, Kathleen's body rejected her eating meat as a child, and her Sunday night burger night turned into Sunday night spaghetti-o night. Her personal nutrition took a very similar path as many people who stop eating meat. In that, she kept eating dairy and eggs, and she did this for a really long time. And she did this until she went to a peace conference where she heard a congressman from Ohio 
talk about the health benefits he experienced from a vegan diet. And from that point on, Kathleen went completely plant-based and within days felt significant changes in her health. Kathleen holds a master's degree in exercise physiology and a bachelor's degree in journalism. She is a certified food for life plant-based instructor with the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and has been vegan since 2002. Kathleen is the author of Yoga's Path to Weight Loss, a mind-body-spirit guide to loving yourself lean, and she gifted us with a copy and I'm almost finished reading it. This book not only gives easy-to-apply steps to a healthier life, body, mind, and spirit, but it also chronicles her story. She even includes recipes in the back of the book, which I indulged in this morning. I had her raw oats recipe, and as a hot oatmeal lover, this was the perfect substitute on a morning where I am finding lots to accomplish in just a few hours. Uh, She is also the author of The Cheerleader Speaks, What God Taught Me About Men and Myself, which we didn't even get to talk about in our conversation. But this book looks awesome, and I'm totally going to dive into this one as well. It's a 30-year memoir of her life, including her dating and her disasters from third grade to 39 years old when she finally met her husband in a yoga class. So listen up. If you're still looking for that soul partner to share your life with, pick up Kathleen's book, The Cheerleader Speaks, because she will give you the shortcut. So it doesn't have to take 30 years to find your love, your self-love, and your full belief that you deserve the best. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. Kathleen was our first guest over to our studio by the beach, and we'll be doing more podcasts from our new home base. So don't be surprised when you hear the Surfliner train in the background because it is a part of our home sweet home, White Noise. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show so we can all get a big old dose of Ashtanga Yogi, the beautiful woman in white, Kathleen Kastner. Let's do it. Yes, I'm very grateful to be here. I love talking about veganism and animals and plant-based everything. (laughs) So, and I want to get into your story a little bit as well. You said you're from Kansas City Mm -hmm. and we were just connecting over the fact that you and your husband kind of went through a a big move and moving into the unknown when you came out here to Encinitas. What sparked that and what did it look like? We had, I had owned a yoga studio for 16 years. My husband was just with me for the, like the last seven and they were people were amazing to us. I was actually born and raised in a small town in Kansas, but I ended up in Kansas City. And I had done it, and it was the best thing I'd ever done. But I just knew uh, soulfully, like the hero's journey, that it was time for my next chapter. So I had lived in Encinitas right out of college. Oh, so you already knew. So I knew how. about it. And then my husband and I both uh, were Ashtanga yogis, and our teacher, Tim Miller, is in Carlsbad. So for all those oh, yeah. years, I was I coming out to take yeah. from Tim. And then later we got into uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings of Self-Realization Fellowship, which is the temple's base in Encinitas. So our whole spiritual life was here. My yoga teacher was here. My meditation church and temple were here. So it was a Hail Mary, though. I mean, <laughs> but I'm okay with that. I've done it. This is my third time to do something like this. But we ended up selling our house, you know, that was three stories, like I said, with a garage in a basement. Mm-hmm. And four, Everything you ever wanted. Yeah, and, a four, and four bathrooms. And now we live in a house with no garage, no basement, one bathroom. <laughs> I love it. But it was worth it. We we like we sold or gave away just whatever. It just like overcame me. I could, it was bigger than me. I just had to leave. And I, I had a lot of people weren't very happy about it, but I just knew soulfully. And once we put the ball in motion, 
it happened really fast. The studio sold, the house sold. We didn't even put it on the market. Someone called, saw the listing, and they said, you know, can we come look at it? And I heard my husband kind of on the phone going, well, we're not ready. You know, the open house is Saturday. I'm like, we are fine. <laughs> Give us 10 <laughs> minutes. And my, I, my husband has kids, and they were visiting us. And so we just, you know, the house was already pretty clean, but we just put it together. And they came, and they walked through, and they made an offer, and they bought our house. And so mm. then we were really free. And then... Um, I'd been out a few times trying to find a place to live, but, and I even had a great friend here in Carlsbad and I had a lot, of, but it wasn't happening. So we kept looking on Craigslist like you mm -hmm. from Kansas city. And one day Wade, my husband says, you know, there's a listing and it was right where we had had an Airbnb in Encinitas. So I knew I loved the area cause I could walk to the ocean. I could walk to the temple, walk to downtown Encinitas. And he called and there was no pictures. It just said like, you know, this house, the price. And uh, she took us over the phone. We didn't have jobs. We had two cats. No one seemed to care. <laughs> so we just showed up about a month later with our cats off the plane, had our cars shipped and we're driving up the hill of this house that we really hadn't seen yet. I did have my realtor walk through it and she said, you should take it because there's two people out front who are going to take it. And as you know, rental properties like go so fast so here. Quick. Yeah, you have it's to. Amazing. So we got really blessed. I definitely feel it was divinely guided. And so we walked in and I was like, okay. You know, it's like a 1950s little bungalow beach house, but it's got a great soul. And, and it miraculously had a big backyard, which I never thought I would see grass again <laughs> in my own yard, you know? So it's, we've been there over two years and we are super happy. We don't know if it's forever because we're renting. Right. Um, the houses in our areas are, are like millions of dollars, so <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we're just beyond grateful and felt like it was all really divinely planned and helped that all everyone helped us in the heavens. In those times where, back to the people that were not comfortable with your decision or the decision you were moving to, how did you continually pursue what you guys were doing? How, how What was like, what was well, keeping you... I just really, for years when I taught yoga, I always encouraged people to do what I was doing because I would watch people come out from work every day to the front desk, miserable. They didn't like their jobs and a lot of them were corporate, eight to five, but it had the health insurance, it had the benefits. So I always encouraged like the whole Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss mm -hmm. when I taught my classes. So I don't think anybody was totally surprised that I would go do this. But, um, but we just, I just felt like it was self-preservation. Mm. I just felt like I was doing them an injustice by staying because I was just not very happy anymore. And it was starting to show. I can totally relate to that. I remember going to teach my yoga classes and this was when we knew we were moving, but nobody else did mm. because what we were doing was going to be so big that we, we wanted to time it right and in a way where we were so energetically like strong about it that nothing was going to get in the way because we just felt this calling out here that was so strong and like you we didn't even put our house on the market oh good yeah like it i ran into someone at yoga and i said oh we're gonna list our house with you guys and she said what's the house and i told her and she said i have buyers and within a week within a week we weren't even ready to put the house on the market for like a month I love it. And it's sold. So it, so it sells. 
a month before we even wanted to put it on the market. So similar to you, you're like, yeah. okay, yeah, I, I guess this ready. is meant to be. Yes. And sometimes it's, I mean, it's such a blessing because it was like, wow, that's a huge thing that we don't have to worry about, but oh, it's like big one. stepping into the unknown. Mm-hmm. But to get back to what I was saying is in those months leading up, I mean, I would go to my yoga classes and it I just, I loved the people and the communities were amazing, mm-hmm. but I felt like I was doing a disservice because I just... I felt like my time there was done. It was done. And so it was it was working with, you know, this calling to come out here, but also the practice of just being present and being a hundred percent for every class I taught, for every person that I talked to after class or before class of what you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Like when you're going when people are you've got your regular people that come to class. And I just kept feeling like, okay, all I have to do is just be here right now just be here right now and that's enough but I felt like my time had expired and maybe that was the human part of me being like okay I'm ready I'm done with New England winter like I'm ready to be out in California I, I, I know what you're saying for me to stay there would not have been the right move like in the moments where we were receiving some backlash or some negativity about what we were doing I would always just think nothing else makes sense I know. Nothing I, else makes sense. You have to you have to listen to the voice or you're going to be miserable. That's what I felt like. And I was like you. I was done with winter. I love the vibration of, of Southern California. I'm a sunshine girl. I would take sunshine 365 days a year. I'm not a cloudy, rainy day kind of girl. <laughs> so a big part was it was, the, it was energy, the energy of California, and it was definitely the weather. And I just was, my studio was in a downtown, it was an urban, you know, kind of cool, hip art gallery district. And I don't know, I just, I was going more introverted. I just wanted to be alone a lot more. And I just had to be on, you know, six days a week and, and run the whole business too behind the scenes, which was an honor and a privilege, but I just was running out of energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just felt like I needed to be filled up again and be a student. And uh, it's been amazing. I've been so grateful. I get to go to my teacher every six, six days a week, and I get to walk down to the temple and meditate every day. And so I'm I'm happiest. This is the best phase of my life ever. <laughs> I know. I love those meditation gardens. And did did we get your question answered fully? I feel like I jumped in because oh, yes, I'm what? always a jumper inner. How uh, oh, she yeah. navigated the yeah. negativity. Yeah, of I just really just didn't let it bother me at all because yeah. it was too pervasive. It was just like, I have to go and I love you all and I'm grateful. And my family's really, I've lived in, this is my third time to live in California in 20 years and no one's ever really that excited for me, but I, I just do my own thing, you know? <laughs> I've always had amazing experiences. I meet awesome people. I, I get to do different things with my life and my career. And I just feel like for me, I just owe it to myself to try something different. Have you always been like that? Always. Like, what's your first memory of being like that? I mean, you're... Well, I, unfortunately, I didn't really... when I Until I went to college at 18, which I went in Kansas... It really was right after I got out of grad school and I moved to San Diego, moved to Pacific Beach without a job with a friend. And that was really a big deal for all the people around us because I was like 24. And so that was my first Hail Mary. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked for, you know, I didn't know, I I looked for jobs and finally I found my first job on the Yellow Pages. I, I went to school for exercise physiology. So I was looking under health and wellness and I found this, um, with Sharps Hospital, I found my first job 
in the yellow pages, isn't that, that dates That's me. Right. This is like 1993. <laughs> and I call and they're like, our medical director went to KU. I went to University of Kansas. And I was like, really? So they were excited and I, you know, but I had to be there 5 a.m. I had to open, and then we had a lot of triathletes. It was like a, a sports medicine, mm. physical therapy, and a health club. But the oh, cool. master swim team started at five. Oh yeah, they're so early birds. Getting out of college, getting up at four was hilarious <laughs> and, and kind of awful, but I was so grateful to even have a job. So, um, and then the fun thing out of my Yellow Pages job is that about a month into it, I met Dr. Chop- Deepak Chopra came in wanting a personal trainer and I just happened to be working, which was like a huge blessing because I'm this naive girl from Kansas. I've never heard the word universe or consciousness. And then here's Dr. Chopra and my boss was like, do you know who he is? And I didn't because I had no idea. I'd never done yoga. I didn't know who he was. And so long story, I started personal training him and going to his talks and his staff actually are the first people to introduce me to yoga. They taught me some sun salutations, which led me to my first class, which pretty much changed my life because I'd only been a fitness person, like, you know, cardio and weights, running. Mm. You know, I, I knew nothing of anything else. I'd been an athlete since I was six years old. I only knew traditional fitness. I knew nothing of mind, body, spirit, anything. That's just the classic <laughs> example of when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I, I love know. how your life unfolds. I know. It's, it was oh, it's pretty it's cool so when I look back and think how young I was. And I I, can't, I would love to have like candid camera of that first meeting with Dr. Chopra. And you have no <laughs> idea who he was. That's, that's the no, best part. Yeah. I have no idea. So, and I still see him and he looks amazing. He actually looks even better now. You is know, he he's here? healthier. He yeah, here? he's in Carlsbad. Yeah. Okay. But um, he does yoga now because we both weren't practicing asana. I was teaching him traditional fitness. I was only doing fitness. But then once I took my first yoga class, it was just even gen- gentle yoga. But I was so tight from conventional exercise that mm-hmm. even just basic triangle pose was, I was like trembling. I was sweating. I just thought, I came in here to stretch. What is happening? But when we did Shavasana at the end, if that's when you relax at the end. <laughs> These tears came down my eyes, just silent tears, not not freaking out sobbing, but just silent tears poured down the cheeks. And I was like, okay, something very magical and profound is happening. I came, I came to stretch and now I'm crying. That's so, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So I was, uh, I'm, I wish I would have dove in right away, but I only did like one class a week mm-hmm. because I was working as a personal trainer. I was promoting cardio and weights i'd gone to school and that's all they promoted you know work out at 85 percent of your max heart you know i was really the chart on the wall yeah the chart on the wall i was brainwashed (laughs) by the 80s you know i i wrote a book and i left you a copy where i I really had an exercise addiction like a lot of people do who love to exercise but it was just too much and i had terrible knee problems that were not going away and at 22 my physical therapist said you've ran all the miles out of your knees. Well, of course, when you're at, at you're like, no, I haven't. I'm you fine. You don't hear that at all. I can oh, push I'm, through. I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> I know how to deal with pain. I was in, you know, patellofemoral syndrome. A lot of people get it where mm-hmm. this, you know, and so it was chronically inflamed and it would not, as long as I kept doing, so I, then I just switched to, which is so gross, indoor cardio machines, you know, mm-hmm. I had to be an hour, I had to be 60 minutes on the, the elliptical, the step master, you know, it was just like, and, um, and all the while, and I talk about my book, I was either under-eating or overeating. I used to, I partied a lot when I was younger. I'm very honest about that. Um, I drank a lot of alcohol. I drank a lot of caffeine. And <laughs> it's just all I knew. It's just what I did. Everything was excess. 
success, success, success. I just didn't have any moderation. Where do you think that came from? No, I just think I always had this like, well, I don't, if I go really deep. Let's go really deep. Okay. Yeah. But, but lately I've thought that maybe it really wasn't that, that maybe I just as a child have truly, I've always liked to move. Mm-hmm. I do feel like in my DNA, I really like exercise. Right. I like to move. Some people, you know, my clients through the years, you've seen it, like it's a real struggle. Some people just don't have that mm-hmm. gene, but I, so looking back, I feel like I also just really like to move, right. but, but in my book I do talk about, so I was adopted and I'm really lucky because I had a great adopted family. I actually met both my biological parents later in life. I've met my biological grandparents. Like we could have been on Oprah. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was all copacetic and beautiful and amazing. But, you know, I could say, I talk about my book that if there was like just not feeling good enough that I was compensating with the exercise addiction. Yeah. You know, and everything else, drinking, smoking, caffeine, you know, just like right. this insatiable void that I was trying to fill. But it wasn't like anybody ever said, you're not good enough. Nobody ever said anything negative to me. But I've read a lot of books about people who are adopted. So I feel like just innately, mm-hmm. you come out wondering, you know, you're not with your source. You're not with your phys- uh, human source anymore. But do you find <laughs> that this yeah. idea of unworthiness is something that most people, like it's, it's yes. the underlying factor of... Yes, I think even if you, because I've worked with so many people, yeah. thousands of students over the years, even if you're born to your biological family with awesome parents. Yes, I feel like, unfortunately, we do a number on ourselves. And yoga is really great for that because it gives you a lot of compassion and grace and just really trying to focus on everything great about what you have or what you look like or your life. And So it's really like a mindset shift away from this. And we were even talking about it before we turned the mics on, this idea that like this scarcity and the lack and living in lack. But it's a mindset shift to living in gratitude. Yes. Right. And, oh, and what do yes. we have that? Um, and again, talking before the mics, I was like, right now, I have everything I need. Yes. I have a new connection in my life. Mm-hmm. You, I have hair, uh, Harry. Sorry, Clark. Oh. Clark and BJ, and BJ. the fireplace is on, and the sun is out, I and know. you know, there's it's. I have a refrigerator of beautiful food, and right now, I have everything I need. But what do you think it is about the way we've been conditioned or our society that we we just graze over that like it's like it's just it's not enough. I know. Right? We, but we don't even take it's like we it's like it's not it's not even a, a regular thing that we would do in a day to right. say, oh, right now I have healthy fingernails. You know, I don't know. There's so well, much that we there's so take much. For I mean, look granted. at the people. I've I've been to India twice, and I've gotten to work with the women who are getting micro loans from an awesome organization called Yoga Gives Back. Dot org, and I got to go visit them. And you know, the, the women are well. They're very poor, very poor, living in mud houses. So if it rains, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Right. <laughs> but they were like the most happy, grateful yeah. people in the world. And so I try to think of them. I think of people who've lost their limbs. That's my saying to myself when I'm having some perceived pity party. Kathleen, you have your limbs, you know? Right. And even people who don't have their limbs are sometimes way happier than me. You know, I follow some people online. I just watched a movie about the um, Boston Marathon bombing, and that was mm. a real... Um, 
real great reminder. And those people are the survived are thriving, and you know, mm-hmm. and so what an inspiration! My gosh, you know. Yeah, and, and one so, of those girls was actually from our Newport, town. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. and she, we would see her doing amazing things, and I. I feel so bad I can't remember her name right now. She was beautiful. She was a dancer. She was Aww. a ballroom dancer. Yeah, she was just always she was out and about. In and just from that was born a whole new purpose in her life, and uh-huh. she went for it. Isn't that, yeah. They're just ins- such inspiring souls. The movie was Patriot's Day with yeah. Mark Wahlberg, and at the end they show the real people. Maybe this girl is in it. Oh, yeah, I'm mm. sure she but, is. Um, just things like that. I try to really remind myself, because my mind can do a number on me also, but I know that, like, yeah. A lot of rich and famous people have a lot of problems. It doesn't make you happy, right. you know? But do you think it's like, do you think it's in the choices that we make and how we entertain ourselves? Do you think it's the marketing, advertising? Like, what is it that it's, I it feel like, I mean, and we see it too. I mean, somebody will come to us for something, you know, uh, I just want to have more vegetables on my plate. And the next thing you know, we're talking about this idea of, you know, there's self-sabotage involved in it and there's unworthiness involved in it. And so I find that it's a common theme. I know I've definitely um, dealt with that for many, many years, but do you think it's just our society and a whole of how marketing and entertainment and all of that has evolved? It's, do you think it's a condition of being human in this world? I know. I feel like for the young people, because of all social media, I'm so yeah. glad I didn't grow up oh with, my God. Se- with sexy video. selfies. Yeah. Selfies. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's, that would have been bad news. <laughs> it's where I was comparing myself with all these people with their butts, with their pouty yeah. faces. Like, forget it. You know, I was not, that was that would have been terrible. So, I, you know, I, I'm not into the media at all really now. Like, I don't watch I a lot of things either. or listen to a lot of things. So. Um, I, I actually just think, I don't know why we're so hard on ourselves. I feel like yoga for me was one of the best things to ever help me really just love and accept myself. I know that sounds very cliche, but it, it really, it was the missing link where I didn't have to, I have to beat myself up all the time and it brought balance and my food. It helped me kick on, kick my addictions. It helped me meet, I met my husband in a yoga class. That's kind of miraculous. And I waited till I was 39 to get married. So I just feel like, uh, I mean, sure, we could definitely say it's the media. It's the Kardashians. No offense, Kardashians. But, you know, my stepdaughter's 14. She's been definitely influenced them by them in yeah, a negative way. So I'm not, you know, yeah. not really happy about that mm. for and I agree with you. Yoga has been absolutely the door opener for me to, I mean, I look back at the girl I used to be and I'm so glad that I can still remember her because I've learned so much from her and I'm able to relate to so many people on so many different levels of what they're going through. Or, But it's hard for me to remember being that girl. I can't embody her anymore, mm-hmm. but I do vividly remember, and thank God I journaled because Good. I look back on my journals and crazy talk in there. About, oh, self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sad. crazy talk. It's really sad, and that's why it's so, for, I feel like, because I do wellness coaching, it's really important um, to encourage people to not drink caffeine and alcohol because caffeine's, you know, a stimulant and alcohol is a depressant and like your mind's already having this war with itself. Yeah. And then when we add chemicals, you know, it's really when I quit coffee, cause it was like my best friend, <laughs> I quit, I like quit it 10 years ago. I had to, I really ended up quitting all caffeine cause I was not my highest self as yeah. Oprah says when I was caffeinated and it wasn't good for my health. Um, 
I just felt like my mind was already having struggles and this to fuel it with these, you know, chemicals and alcohol. Cause I, you triggered that. I would write in my journal. I would come home after a night of <laughs> drinking. It's so pathetic. <laughs> Please God help me stop drinking. Oh. I wasn't even an alcoholic, but I would just like, it was just, you yeah. could tell if I read it, like who, who is this poor sad person? Yeah. You know, when I was, you know, intoxicated or, or even caffeinated, you know, I could just tell like, so when I did quit caffeine, my joke was like, oh, it's just me, myself and I, this is going to be fun. <laughs> no. this, this, is, <laughs> this is your brain, not on drugs. Let's see who you are. And it, I have to tell you, the first year was a little bit sad. Yeah. Cause that was like my happy thing. Caffeine right. made me happy. And I would go do it, you know, like at four in the afternoon or something triggered me to feel insecure or whatever. I would go drink more coffee, you know, because mm. I wasn't drinking alcohol anymore finally. But, you know, I just, now I look back and it's textbook mm-hmm. or I go shopping, you know, just like, and now I just have to like sit with it. And meditations, I know yoga is, was definitely the impetus, but meditating, I'm a, I've meditated night, morning and night for a long, like many, mm. 15 years at least. And now with the help of SRF and Yogananda, I've definitely gotten even more into it. And so, so a lot of things that were important definitely aren't important to me anymore. So I feel very liberated emotionally and mentally. Yeah. I find that similar to how, and I'm sure you've had this conversation with your clients as well, the people who you work with, like, you know, the, the healthier you eat, like it is possible to crave kale salad, you know, cause you create that micro, that microbiology in your belly. And for me, I mean, I grew up in a house where wine was the nectar of the gods. Like okay. you could drink, and I come from a long line of Irish alcoholics. Sure. And so we could, I mean, we could drink, you know, at holidays or whatever, but I remember being quite young drinking wine and um, still a lot of wine drinking going on in my family. But the meditation, I find that like, I don't want it anymore. And there are some times where I'm like... I don't say no. I don't drink. Like I'll pour it, and then I'll take a sip, and I'm and I, it, in my head, I'm always like, for what? Oh, for well, what? You're aware. Yeah. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. it's it's aware. So I'm still in. I'm, I'm still in. And just recently, I've probably poured more glasses than. But like I'll have a sip, and I'm like, but there's nothing there for me. Like where I used to love the taste of it. I don't even love the taste of it anymore. That's a a sign that it's shifting. Yeah. And so (laughs) similar to, to what we were saying, what I was saying about eating, like, I think the meditation, like you just start getting so clear Mm -hmm. that for me, there's, there's nothing I want to get in the way of that. Good. I don't want anything to get in the way of being clear. It definitely changes you. And everybody comes out at a different point in time because I know people, alcohol and caffeine are very socially accepted and encouraged. I write chapters on both of those in my book. Oh, good. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. And it's just, that's just the way it is. You have coffee in the morning, you have wine at night. And some mm-hmm. people may do that forever and that's great for them. You know, it's obviously a personal choice. I do think the more you dive into consciousness and spiritual path it just shifts it's like your palate becoming vegan right you crave kale and avocado and like you know one day you were like i used to eat what you know, know. and the same thing happens with caffeine and alcohol you just it's, it's, you know i don't know for me if i would just have done conventional exercise i don't know if i would be any different i might still be partying up mm. going backstage at rat <laughs> <laughs> but you know like i was wild so i mean i don't know i think yoga completely changed my brain <laughs> Mm-hmm. which changed my thoughts, which changed my entire life. So when did it go from one day a week to something more? 
that, so I, I started with Vini yoga one day a week. Then I moved to Los Angeles and I started vinyasa. Still didn't know what Ashtanga was yet. Oh, and as an exercise addict, vinyasa. Yeah, I was is like, woo! So yoga can one mo- breath, one motion. Yeah, where yoga can continuously <laughs> move. I'm sweating my blank off. Um, this is super hard for me, mm-hmm. and I've been lifting weights my whole life, but I can barely do one chaturanga to save my life. That's really what it was, because everything's sports specific, right? Mm-hmm. I was never doing push-ups, man push-ups with my body. I was lifting weights, so it was just all very different. So yes, I started doing vinyasa four days a week, but I worked at the Pritikin Longevity Center. You're probably not old enough to know what that is, but that... No, I do. I know that. Pritikin. Yes, Pritikin diet. Yes. Yeah, so yes. it was in Santa Monica. So this is 96, and I started going to yoga work, taking vinyasa. But because my jaw was still exercise fizz, I was promoting, you know, I was still... Everyone I knew, my colleagues, everyone was uh, running and lifting weights or cardio machines. That's just what you did. And then my mindset was, and if you don't do it, you're a loser. That's, that's really... <laughs> does that make sense? Like, same with running. Mm-hmm. I used to run six miles a day. 100 degrees, 10 degrees, my mind was wired tight, you know? So yeah, I was this, I could say that now I I know that was like, if you don't do it, you know, you're a loser. So, so I lived in two, what I say both worlds. I lived in the fitness world. I lived in the yoga world. I did both for two years. Then I moved to Kansas city. I met my biological mom. First time I'd ever lived in Kansas city, went to Kansas city, met her, decided to stay. I was personal training at a small gym and the owner said, do you teach yoga? And I was like, I teach yoga. (laughs) I had not taught yoga. (laughs) And this is in 96. And the first time I taught, it was so, so I'm so grateful because it's one of the only things in my life that the first time I did it, I felt like I was channeling. I didn't plan it. I didn't write it down. It was just like, it was just coming out of my mouth. I was so happy. It's just been the one thing that always came easy to me. I feel like we all get one thing. So I was very happy that I, I didn't mess up. (laughs) And then I started teaching. I still was personal training. I was still doing my fitness, but finally after two years, um, another yoga teacher in Kansas city, I said, let's open. There was only one studio in the whole town. Now there's like 25. I said, let's do it. Let's just go find a studio space. And we did. And that was in 1999. And and I decided right then that I was going to quit everything and just do, I had been introduced to Ashtanga yoga. I'm just going to do Ashtanga yoga because it took two hours. You know, I just really didn't have the energy to, you know, run for an hour weight lift and then do Ashtanga for two hours. But I'm going to do a pilot study. I talk about my book. I'm going to see what happens after 15, 20 years of doing this other life. I'm just going to do Ashtanga and see what happens. And I was already pretty much vegetarian. I think there might've been a little fish, but I was really never a seafood lover. I've still never had sushi to this day. So I, I did. And the guys I personal trained with were like, are you going to gain weight? Shouldn't you do tricep curls? And I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea. Are you going to get your cardio? Yeah. We're going to do any fear about that. You know, I'm so grateful. I was done. I was so tired. And, and to be honest with you, everything I did just at that point, when I was younger, I got too skinny. But at this point, I was just I was just eating so much. The cardio made me so hungry. I just would eat like six bowls of cereal, which is fine. But I just felt like I was always just, it just made me so hungry. And I still have a great appetite and eat a lot, but I don't eat nearly as much. And I'm a lot healthier eater. So I got to open a studio with a friend and it was amazing. And I just, after the first month, I just kept going and... That's been 18 years ago, and I've never been back to a gym since. So you, your activity is just Ashtanga yoga. yoga, and I, I walk 
I, you're gonna laugh. I walk in flip flops. <laughs> Thirty minutes, I walk to the temple. That's fifteen. I meditate and I walk home, and that's fifteen. Because and that's just all I do. Because if I start pushing really hard again, my old self, front thing, my back and my knee don't like me and tell me that that's not what it wants anymore. But it really hinders my yoga. So just for me, my yoga is more important. My yoga practice is the most important thing to me. But if I were like you guys are training for something, then that. Your most important thing. Yeah, but I'm we, starting to we have just a had shift. That conversation. <laughs> You're just talking about <laughs> just talking about that, and I'm getting. I'm definitely getting more. You were talking. You were right on that. Mm-hmm. Like I can see myself. You were saying I can see myself just doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope you read my book. Mm-hmm. I love liberating people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, and I have in the past. I would say in the past four years, maybe not even, maybe more than maybe like six years. In the past six years, I've taken two years completely off from triathlon training. Oh, okay. And just done yoga. I mean, and my first yoga class was in 1990, what did I say, 92? 1992 in right. Jamaica. Oh. Um, and then that didn't lead to a, a regular yoga practice, but that was my first class. And then I went again, uh, like 1995, 96, something like that, and Hated it. Okay. Hated it because okay. I think because it made me. It's so hard. Um, it well, it made <laughs> me stop. Oh, your other activities? You mean? Oh. just hold a pose. Oh, your brain. Yeah, and your body. Well, I got to see what was going on upstairs. <laughs> yeah, I right. Know. Like I it's was humbling. like, this is insane. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't even. It wasn't even like, oh, my mind's so busy. It was just, I was being overtaken by, this is such a waste of time. Like, Mm. what are you doing? Like, you should be out doing, you know, I think Mm. I definitely was a bit of an addict as well. I can feel a shift and I want to honor that. Like, the most important thing in my life is my meditation practice, like, by far. Good for you. You know? That's awesome. And... Well, following up that's going with you when you pass, when you leave your physical body (laughs) that we spend hours upon hours taking care, you know, it's not going with us. No, I know. But your connection connection to the universe, God, whatever you believe in is, and that's what meditation is cultivating. It's it's meditation exercise. So truly, in in my opinion, that is really the most important thing. We want a healthy body. We want to keep the temple for the soul very clean and fit and filled with good foods, but but consciousness and the soul, that's, that's, that's what's going with you. That's the real deal. <laughs> we all run for it. Like, I talk a lot. You'll, you'll laugh when you read my book. You know, most people would rather run miles and do handstands before they like to sit by themselves for five yeah. minutes in meditation. Well, I can, and I can totally uh, relate to that. I mean, it was an, anything but be with myself. Anything but be with myself. And there's and, a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of... Um, triathlete. I actually lived with a triathlete when I was young. And so I understand, and I used to do a workout with him a little bit. And so I know the, I know the mentality. Mm. And, um, but I also know now that there are a lot of triathletes using mindfulness and yoga and meditation. Yeah, well, and so that's what Yogi Triathlete is. Yeah, I want to say you could definitely on. have both. My body was just breaking down the, yeah. the other way. And it was definitely clear. I just feel so much I'm 48. I feel so much healthier and happier. Yeah. And I don't, I was so tight and my muscles were so heavy mm-hmm. and just dense and thick. And I just didn't, I was a, I was a tall, thin person as a child. I almost felt like I'd self-induced this is kind of bulky yeah. body type because of all, all mm. the pushing, you know, and the intensity. So, and, um, yeah, my, and some people say I haven't changed that. I just changed subjects and there's a lot of truth to it because Ashtanga attracts an intense personality, mm-hmm. but 
but at least my knees aren't in pain anymore. <laughs> so when you left LA and went to Kansas City, did you go there because of your biological yes. parents? Yes. Well, my mom was there. My biological, my, my parents who raised me were outside of Kansas City about three hours. So my family was already in Kansas. I had, it's a very long story, but I had uh, wrote, wrote her a letter and she wrote me back and I just happened to be visiting Casey. I was at a wedding. Wow. And it's a long story. My, my mom called me from my hometown. I was like, you know, she wrote you back. And she said to call her. So I did. Did you have a lot to like find her or? No, it was very easy. It was actually pretty, once I started to search in my uh, 20s, it really fell in my lap and it happened so fast that it scared me. And I actually mm -hmm. sat on it for about three years. Mm -hmm. So I'd had an address and I, um, I didn't, but I ended up writing her and she was super sweet. I met her, I called her. She's like, come on over. And we met, and she had gone on to get married, go to college, have three kids, so she had a full life. And um, oh we're God. still very good friends. I didn't meet my birth dad until 10 years later. That's another story. <laughs> and um, But he's wonderful. I met both their parents when they were alive and their you know, siblings. And so I was really lucky. Wow, you're really fortunate. What a I beautiful, know. like, full circle story. Yeah, so we're all friends, <laughs> you know, which is good. And... Uh, and my, my dad, who raised me, unfortunately, has passed. And just because this is a vegan podcast, he really suffered his whole life from food addiction. He ended up with diabetes type mm -hmm. 2, and he drank too much alcohol. Love you, Daddy. <laughs> he, he was the nicest member of my family. <laughs> and uh, he looked just like Lou Grant from Mary Tyler Moore. You know, he had just had that cannonball belly, and he wasn't very tall. And just had all that extra weight around his heart and had had both carotid arteries cleared out. So he was, you know, slowly getting impacted and, and had had a wake up call, but just he would, he couldn't, he chose not to change. And I yeah. always tried and wrote him letters in college, but he just wanted to live the way he did. But he, unfortunately, he died in sleep unexpectedly on Easter morning. He just didn't wake up, which mm. was shocking, but also not shocking, you know, and he, he was just his body, I could tell. So anyways, that's been 14 years ago. So I'm sad he's not with us. I'm sad my mom, they were married their whole lives, like 42 years. But my mom who raised me is still in Salina, Kansas, and my birth mom is in Kansas City. So I have two moms. And how did you, how did you grow up eating? Oh, that's a great story. So my family is completely omnivore, carnivore. <laughs> Someone said recently, you can't be a prophet in your own land. And boy, did I fail in my own land. <laughs> I've been a vegan alien for 15 years and it's okay though. So we had hamburger night every Sunday when I was little. And um, that would never really sat well with me. Unfortunately, I did not get the connection that that was a cow because I loved animals. I loved, I talk about my book, I even love stuffed animals. Like they were my friends. I loved animals. So one time I had a, a little last bite of roast at the dinner table that I did not want. And I ended up getting very, I vomited all over <laughs> that night. It was not a good scene. So they, thank goodness, let me stop eating red meat. And I was about first grade. So I just think soulfully, it just was like not settling well with me. Yeah. I didn't understand you're an old soul. Anyway. I hope so. Yeah, you're no, you're very old I hope soul. So. Like with just your I path hope. and what I know of it so far. Like I hope you had I a purity about you that your body <laughs> said no, 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 it no. Checked it out, and that you're was the end. Putting dead, putrefying <laughs> flesh in no, here anymore. Dead cows in my stomach, please. <laughs> so uh, hamburger night became 
SpaghettiOs for me without the meatballs. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how happy oh, it was. Those were so good. I, I know. Aren't they, they fun? They, <laughs> Where are they? Do they still exist? I, I never I liked <laughs> the, I never liked SpaghettiOs because I was like, this does not taste <laughs> like. All the SpaghettiOs and leave the meatballs. leave the, the meatballs, end, yeah. And then eat those. Oh, oh. I never liked any of that. I thought the noodles were overcooked. <laughs> this is my, my little judgmental, like no. five-year-old. These noodles are overcooked. <laughs> The tomato sauce doesn't taste like real pasta sauce, and I don't know what those meatballs are, but they did not taste. They weren't meatballs, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> they were like eyelash All balls. Right, so hamburger night became <laughs> I mean, spaghettios. Yeah, and so and I wasn't a hell. I ate so much sugar as a child. I probably loved Kraft macaroni and cheese. You know, I wasn't oh, a healthy eater. But like I, they, I started competing at really young. That's why I'm not super competitive anymore. I mean, I did. Um, Swim team at six. I was in track really hard from eight to 10, which I know sounds comical, but I did pentathlons when I was a little girl. And um, I just felt like they beat the crap out of me. And I was really tired and I wasn't competitive. It just gave me such anxiety. So I was supposed to go to like a national pentathlon as a child, as like a nine-year-old. And my best friend invited me to Hawaii with her grandma because she was turning 10. And the grandma took each grandchild at 10 to Hawaii because that's where she was from. And they invited me. And it was right during my track meet that was coming up and I, I think I don't remember it but I was having a lot of anxiety my mom took me to the doctor and said well should I send her to the track meet or Hawaii thank God said send her to Hawaii oh, that's so good. and I retired at 10 <laughs> 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 and that was so great you know, I sent her to the ocean and the sun and then I tried didn't really uh, I so I'm using these terms just because I'm trying to make fun of myself I entered competitive sports again in eighth grade but I just lost all my zeal I tried to do track again but it was just I didn't want to do it I did yeah. a little tennis and diving and swimming in high school but I never really got into it I actually ended up being more of a dancer and, and things mm, like that but I just more like creative expression but you can yeah. still take pretty intense uh, you know, that's requires a lot of discipline and yeah, it was just a, my tennis coach was a freshman in high school, made fun of me. She's like, Kathleen's like across the court, making friends with her competitors, <laughs> <laughs> like chatting it up. I just never have had that. Like, I want to beat you spirit. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't, I just, for me, it, I didn't. And even just trying to be personal best, it just, I don't know. I think I was a yogi at heart. I know. I think, I think, uh, but yeah. there was no yoga in Salina, Kansas when no. I was a child. <laughs> oh, we used to drive through Salina, Kansas. Oh. Like, that, isn't that right on the, That's kind on the of west? On the border. Yeah, it's yeah. on the 70, going yeah. towards Denver. You passed through. Yeah, we yes. drove, yes. we lived yes. in Boulder for a while. So we definitely drove, we drove through that when we would yeah. drive cross country, but we definitely drove through it on our trip as well. Mm-hmm. I Kansas bet. Is a long, you just lock, you just log in, you go look straight ahead, cruise control. Yeah. Yeah, you can both sleep at that point. I know. So, so my diet, you know, because I was, I always was eating a lot when I was young. But sure, I was thin always because I was just so physical and everything I did. But in college, I did start to, you know, later in college, I did gain weight, and um, I have been twenty pounds heavier. So I wasn't always just, you know, I wasn't always a lean person. So I've, and that was just from eating too much food because I love food and even healthy food. I can eat too much still. But, but the veganism found me in. 2002, I was already vegetarian because yoga teaches ahimsa. If anybody mm-hmm. knows yes. ahimsa means non-harming. So I just decided I, I definitely, I didn't even like fish enough to care. So that was the only thing left to go, really, when I became a yogi. eggs, cheese? I was still eating eggs and dairy, but I just really never, I wasn't a huge, I never was, I was always a carbohydrate person. I wasn't, mm. but I was eating those because I had no idea that for me, they weren't good for me. Mm-hmm. And B, I had no idea of the cruelty of the dairy, egg, and veal industry. No mm. clue. Brutal. Unfortunately, 
no clue. So it's 2002. I have allergies. I have asthma. I'm using my inhaler way too much. And I have bad skin. I have acne. And I go to a talk at Marianne Williamson's church in mm. Detroit, outside of Detroit. It was a peace conference. And Dennis Kucinich is there, the Ohio congressman. And he talks about having health problems and how no one could figure out what he what was wrong. And he'd read Diet for a New America by John Robbins, who was the heir to Baskin Robbins, who'd gone plant-based and wrote this life-changing book about it. So Dennis was like, well, I'm going to try this diet. And then his health problems just magically went away Mm -hmm. after no one could figure out. So I'm in the audience. I'm like, well, I'm vegetarian. I'm almost there. I don't even know if the word vegan was used, but I just went home and did it. And my skin like cleared up practically overnight. And I got off my inhaler and I got off the allergy medicine. I was allergic to the dairy, but the doctors, nobody, the doctors, the dermatologists, no one ever asked me what I call the four magical words. What are you eating? (laughs) They just gave me more medicine and more medicine, which I, you know, I'm still an advocate for when needed medicine. People need, you know, and, um, and I still keep an emergency inhaler just in case, because I don't know. Um, but it did. It changed my life. I was so grateful. I was also a little irritated that no one tried to talk to me about my diet. I literally had no idea that the dairy was making me wheeze. And then my friend, one time I'd eaten one of those Chicago-style spinach dips, you know, and the next day I had like little pimples all over my face. And she's like, oh, Kathleen, the whole, that's the hormones and the mucus coming out through your skin. And I was like, I want to be sick. You know, I just, I did not know. Mm-hmm. I had no clue that it was what was giving me acne. And so it really just changed my health and my skin for the better. I was going to say, but, that, but you had a curious mind. So you went to that church for some yeah, reason. Yeah, were... I actually flew from San Diego to what was called the Global Peace Conference because uh, I was a big fan of Marian Williams, and I still am reading her books. Mm-hmm. And she had a church there, a unity church. She was a minister. She wanted to get a Department of Peace going on in D.C. And I was like, right on. I flew out there by myself. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how old I was, my early 30s. Got a little hotel room by myself, but then, you know, it was just like you said, it was time. Here's mm-hmm. Dennis Kucinich, changed my life. So that's my vegan story. I owe it all to him. <laughs> if I hadn't been there, I, I could still be suffering. And it was uh, really years later that I learned about the dairy cows being impregnated against their will, us taking their calves, killing them in the veal industry, stealing their milk, stealing their babies, grinding up male baby chicks. I was like mortified that... No one had ever told me these things. And I was actually vegan a long time before I even knew. The information just wasn't as prevalent yeah. back then as yeah, all the videos. It is now. It's like in your face yeah. now. If, if all you're, over Facebook. If you're and, awake and ready. Like yeah. If you're like... You, you're open to this, it'll just continue to flood. And it sounds like your curiosity just... Yeah, I just, just kept, a, kept going with it. And yeah. I was just kind of like a... I didn't like... I try to tell people in my talks, you don't, you don't need... To be supported, it's nice, but you get to decide what you put in your body, even if your friends or your partner, everybody around you is eating something else or drinking something else. Like it just you just yoga gives people really strong will and you just have to listen to what's right for you. And and I think I just heard you talk about this with maybe Derek Mitchell, like restaurants will totally work with you. Like the waiters. Oh my gosh. You just ask. I mean, yeah. We drove across the country for six months, like yeah. we were hitting places and and we always were able to find Something. Yeah. You just ask. Yeah. Yeah. And then, even in Kansas City, we yeah. found like a Chipotle. Like it was late yeah. and we were like, all right, well, we can get brown rice. We can get 
black beans, we can get guacamole, we Perfect. can get some lettuce. Love done. It. You know, nobody we, was yeah. harmed. I wish I would have known you. There's like three vegan restaurants there. <laughs> we were like in and out. We <laughs> literally like, gone. we heard about Derek, <laughs> like drove there. Cause at that point we were like, okay, we gotta, we gotta start getting we California. East of the Mississippi. For, for like four months <laughs> out of the six months. Yeah. So we, I don't know why we had some, I'm like, whatever karma I have to work out on the east side of the Mississippi, like I'm all in because I'm not good, going back. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. Well, it's true. I think I, I can tell with women, cause I've done these 21 day vegan jump starts or cleanses. I feel bad. I feel bad. I feel bad. I'm like, why are you feeling bad? Yeah. This is your health. These are this is your life. You know, and and the waiters like that's their job. And then millions of people have food allergies. I sat on a plane once where someone went and you know had a complete asthma attack from onion. There was onion on the chicken cooked in it. You know, and so they're getting out the epipen for him and like. That's the, they're going to work with you. A lot of yeah. people are allergic to dairy, even if you're not vegan or lactose intolerant. So, yeah. oh my god, so, I'm famous for like opening up the menu and being like, okay, well, there's rice on this dish, and yes. then there's okay, I could have that. And awesome. people are like, will they do that? I'm like, well, they have it. Yeah, why wouldn't they do it? Well, that's let's just add, sometimes that's the smartest thing you could do right there. Yeah, or because the it's not going to say. This is a vegan sandwich. Right. <laughs> it's like, first you say, take off the cheese. Could right. I have mustard instead of mayo and maybe some avocado? Right. And then you just keep doing that and you get really creative. Or what, but you, what you do is even better. They have this, they have this, they have this. Awesome. Yeah. Let's make a meal. I got to a point now, um, well, it's, it's actually rare now if we go to a restaurant that's not vegan because yeah. now I've, I'm into the whole like... Who's preparing the food? Did yeah. they meditate? What's their vibe? Like yeah. every like, what are they infusing the food with? So anyway, that's a whole other topic. But no, it's a, um, it's true. You're right. I got to a point like, but and plus we don't have any family out here or anything. So there's not no family dinners and stuff where we're going out. Mm-hmm. But when we were still back east, I would just say to the waiter, you know, I'm plant based, and so if I can just get a plate with a bunch of plants on it, that would be awesome. Like cool. I don't I don't need it to be. Uh, a reduction saw. I don't need anything super fancy, just right. a pile of plants. And sometimes they'd be like, yeah. I mean, sometimes I would get deer in the headlights. I'm like, just ask the chef. Just yeah. say, just I just want a plate with a pile of plants on it. That's all. That's and then all what happens is and like, then, the people uh, at the I want table. What she's got. I want <gasps> what she's got. Oh. My brother's wedding. We had two plates made. Yeah. For us, we called Good ahead. You didn't even tell the people, my brother, like, we were doing this. You just called the hotel ahead of time. Great. Like, so smart yeah. of you guys. There's so many yeah. ways you can do that. Yeah, if you're Calling going ahead to a- is smart. You can call the restaurant before you go. My husband and I had a vegan wedding in Santa Monica 10 years ago, and I'm from Kansas, and he's from Wisconsin, so... That was our audience. And how did they like <laughs> they the food? They loved it. Real Food Va- Daily, which is an, an awesome what? vegan yeah, restaurant in LA. Nice. They catered it and everybody loved it. The cake was phenomenal. And, you know, we just held our, you know, that's the way. My husband was actually vegan when I met him, which is a total miracle Bonus. 10 years ago. He'd had thyroid cancer. He chose to keep his gland. He changed his diet. He changed his life. But anyway, so he was already vegan. And so we weren't going to just like you know, make an exception because it was our wedding and everybody loved it. And I'm so glad, I'm glad we stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. And just in stayed true to what you, you know, you, you celebrated, um, a very memorable day 
in alignment with your values. I know, and people still talk about the food. Some people even ordered the cookbook from the restaurant, and they weren't vegan, and they're still not. Mm-hmm. But at least they like some more, you know, some yes. plant-based varieties. But everybody had a vegan meal that day. Everybody And I don't did. think people understand the impact of even one meal that's fully vegan, the impact on the planet, the impact on, you know, well, the animals, thank you, number yes. one, and the impact on your health. Yes, all the, three. The body can um, repair itself so quickly. Yes, it's a diet where everybody wins. That's my thing. (laughs) So we're looking at your book, Yoga's Path to Weight Loss, A Mind-Body-Spirit Guide to Loving Yourself Lean. And I can't thank you so much for bringing this. I can't wait to read it. So this came out, when did you write this? That's a good question. Was it last January? Last, uh, a year and a half ago. Okay, so fairly Mm -hmm. new. And it's on Amazon or it's on my website. Perfect. And we'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. But what was the impetus to, like, what was the, okay, I got to do this. I'm so glad you asked me because... After being a personal trainer and then getting to own a yoga studio all those years, I actually saw way more people lose weight with yoga, like way more people, you know, because it it was shifting their consciousness and the way they thought about themselves and their food. And so I was like this, I had seen it in my cell, but then when I started, and it didn't even need to be a lot of yoga. Like some people could only come to noon to one, five days a week, but they never missed, you know, just literally dropping pounds before my eyes shedding layers i could not even believe yeah. it so i'm like there is something to this like there are no medical studies <laughs> that i back <laughs> up or anything <laughs> on why it works i'm more of a kind of a mystical girl i just know it works because i yeah. watched it for 20 years and it, it changed everything i mean I, I don't like to reduce yoga to exercise, but from an exercise phys standpoint, I do think sp- this was a shtanga, a shtanga yoga that continuously moves. Use your arms. You're doing hand, handstands if you want, back spins. I mean, it's like gymnastics and so much fun. <laughs> so for them, you know, you're, you're breathing, you're locking your abs, you, you know, it just like stokes your internal fires, cranking your metabolism. You're not running miles, but it works and it just works. And everybody got more elongated in their limbs. And then most importantly, excuse me, they ate less because they felt better. And they, well, and, and yeah. And I think you start to, the byproduct of a practice is more consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so do I need this extra bite? Do mm-hmm. I need this extra Am I 80% helping? Fault? Yeah. I think I'm pretty good. Yeah. And some yeah. people, you know, some people still struggle. It wasn't like every single person, but, um, I saw a lot of people lose a lot of weight and I really attribute it to ujjayi breathing, which mm-hmm. I know you know mm-hmm. what that is. Cause I think, um, that that comes from God and that was just, it just refined your consciousness over and over. You're hearing that sound. It's working on your, your mind and just things start to change mm-hmm. and their food choices. A lot of them started, we, we were a vegan studio. We had vegan potlucks, vegan startup kits. I mean, they knew we were, we were serious about this people <laughs> because ahimsa is part of the eight limbs of yoga, non-harming. And it's not like we're just going to practice the physical part and forget about the rest. You know, let's try to incorporate it all as much as possible. Yeah. So, so, um, we were known as the vegan studio, our teacher trainings. We asked everybody to go vegan just for the training. They could, or they didn't. Some of them have stayed vegan to this day and written me and that makes me happy. And so, and it was really all for the animals. To be honest with you, I I don't think it's good for our health, uh, but I do it more for them than anybody. What do you think is not good for our health? Oh, Uh, animal products. Eating meat, yeah, eating Mm -hmm. animals. Yeah, I know, the animals. uh, And and just the state of... The state of affairs, all the animals that we're raising on, you know, in clearing forests to raise these animals. We have the solution to world hunger 
I know. We have it. Watch Cowspiracy if you yeah. haven't seen Cowspiracy. Yeah, we're feeding, but we're feeding all that food. All the soybeans to the cows. To the, to the animals so that we can slaughter them. So we always say, cut, cut out, out the, the middleman. Middle I know. Cut out chopping the middleman. Chopping down the rainforest to grow soybeans to give to cows instead of starving humans. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's really but it's, it's twisted. You know, people who are, are listening to this podcast, they're... You know, we've got vegan people, plant-based, people who are making the transition, people who love their meat. This, these words are in their awareness for a reason. Yes, and my, my number the one veil thing. is starting to thin out. Yeah, and really start cooking, even if you don't think you're going to enjoy it. There's so many, you know, oshiglows.com is my favorite oh, yeah, vegan blog. That's great. And her vegan cookbooks. My husband's so grateful. He's like, she taught you how to cook. <laughs> and she really did. I don't even know what I was eating before, but... Um, there's a saying, if you can read, you can cook. So I just really made myself start just, okay, these are the steps, put all these things together because I just feel like plant-based food is so delicious and all the colors, all the different nutrients, you know, if you think about dairy and egg, excuse me, dairy and meat and eggs, there's just a really darker white. It's devoid of where's the purple, where's the red, where's the orange, where's the green. It's, Mm -hmm. It's not there. So you know, eating the colors of the rainbow. My stepdaughter brought home a placemat that said that one day. And I'm like, that's so true. Cook with color and really dive in, take cooking classes. I teach vegan cooking here, but look online and join meetup groups for support because now there is so much support. There are so many plant-based meetups and documentaries and cooking classes and PCRM. You know, I'm a food for life teacher for them, PCRM Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine has a whole, you know, list of plant-based nutrition and cooking instructors in different parts of the country and out of the country now even. So there's a lot more support there than ever before, but I'm really a proponent of eating your own, eating at home as much as possible and Tupperwearing things and bringing them to work or in the car if you're going to have a meeting and, and, you know, you know, saving money and saving on the fat and the oil and the sugar and the salt. You know, it's fun. My husband and I go out once a week for lunch and that's just kind of our routine. But then the rest of the time we just eat everything at home because yeah, I like too. knowing what's in my food. Where do you go for... Well, you've got some good choice. We love Eve. And we Encinitas. love Eve. Mm. Absolutely. Huge fans of Eve and <laughs> Veggie Girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Veggie Girl. That's <laughs> sweet potato fries. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of awesome sugar, oil, and salt, all the things I said not to. But... <laughs> But that's okay. It's, yeah, I it's definitely your relationship love, to it. I right? love yes, and every Friday night we have guacamole and chips and beans. So we're not we're not perfect by any means. We're not you know eating kale salad for lunch and dinner every day. But I do love kale. My husband grows it, so I'm lucky. Mm. Oh, cool. And we love green smoothies. So we're healthier now. But we definitely I make vegan cookies all the time, and I I'm definitely mean, not sugar free. A couple on our counter right now. I can't wait. Yeah. So, so I still eat some sugar. And you work with people one on one. Yeah. And so what would be some tips that you could share about like maybe both money saving tips or time saving tips? What are some of your go-tos? Well, I think especially if a regular like conventional job, eight to five, where you just know once Monday morning starts, you're just going to be nonstop, especially if you're going to work out for two hours Mm -hmm. on top. I mean, then you're gone forever, like 10 hour days. So it's to do as much prep as you can, maybe on a Sunday or Saturday and batch, like make a soup or chili or something that can last you three days, something, or if you get tired of it after the second day, you can at least freeze it and pull it out next week or something, or like a veggie spinach lasagna or things like that. And I always cook something that's going to last for sure two days for 
for Wade and I to. So I think making something that's going to last you a couple of days and doing it beforehand and maybe going to the store on a different day. Cause sometimes if you go to the store and batch cook, it's just so, you know, they're like three hours, it's too much. So I think, you know, really stocking up for the week on one day and then doing some cooking in advance. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like a chickpea salad can take, you know, 10 minutes to make and you can have that for two or three days. And that could be your lunch that you can take to work on bread or a kale salad. And what would they throw in that? Well, so my favorite chickpea salad is actually online on Plant Pure Nation, their website. It's by T. Colin Campbell. I have to think, is that his daughter-in-law? Kim, Kim Campbell. I love their chickpea salad. It's made with tahini instead of vegan mayonnaise. And it's got carrots and celery and walnuts and cranberries and tahini mm. and purple onions. And it's to die for. It's my favorite one. Mm. You could just make a huge batch of that and have it mm-hmm. for days. Do two cans of chickpeas. You mash them with the potato masher. It Literally, it will take you 10 minutes. And you could definitely have it for three days. And what about some money-saving tips? Like people say, or, or what tips. do you have to say... We, you could answer this. It's too expensive. Um, yeah, that it's it's too expensive to eat that way. I know. Well, I actually love Ralph's. Ralph's has amazing organic produce here in um, San Diego. We have awesome health food stores, and I get stuff from there too. But I actually get the majority of my produce from Ralph's, and it's very affordable and it's organic. And a lot of people are like, really? I'm like, yes, I love Ralph's. <laughs> and they have this brand called Simple Truth Organic. So all the beans, all the organic beans, all the garbanzo beans, all of them are 99 cents and they're organic and they are in the can. Now, if you're more um, inspired, you can buy them in bulk and you could soak them and that could be more economical. And um, same thing, I do go to Costco, we'll buy like our brown rice, our quinoa, things like that and stock up on some of the bigger items. And that's very affordable. I, personally, I think meat has to be more expensive than my 99 cent kale yeah, and, and sweet I think, potatoes. Um, I think it was Victoria Moran that, I don't know where she got this number, and she might even talk about it on our on our podcast with her, but it's like when you stop eating meat, it like you can save up to $7,000 a year. I believe it. I believe it too. Especially going out. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially if you're like wanting to be more of a, quote unquote conscious meat eater like you're taking the progression yeah. steps which is what we did like yeah. we went from you know yeah. buying yeah. family packs to oh. you know oh grass fed oh well grass fed and we know the animal's name you know right. and all that stuff oh my gosh <laughs> but I mean I remember like Whole Foods and it was so expensive I mean it was $300 every time oh, I yeah. and it's just the two of us I know to get that high again have air quotes going on here, high-end meat. I know. I think people should really try their local grocery store, or I guess they're all national chains, like Kansas City with Sunfresh, or, you know, here it's, um, we have Vons, and we have Ralph's. So much more accessible. They all have organic produce. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to Whole Foods unless you want to, and you don't have to go to a specialty health food store. They all have it. The things that can be a little bit more expensive, and Trader Joe's, of course, is very economical. Like the raw, I love raw almond butter. So I buy that at Trader Joe's, it's like $7. So sometimes things like that, the raw nut butters can be expensive, uh, tahini and things like that. But you you know, they'll, they'll last for a while. Where do you stand on like organic versus conventional? I do try to buy as much organic as possible, but I definitely don't have a freak out if it's not. I can find everything pretty much organic, especially if it's something where I'm going to be eating the skin like an apple that I am 
more of a deal breaker. Mm -hmm. I do only want an Mm -hmm. organic apple. Like my husband's kind of frugal. So (laughs) if it's in case like a pineapple (laughs) or a banana, you know, so I'm not, I'm not like religious about organic, but I do try to get as much organic as possible. And it's better. Like what we say to people is it's, it's better just to just get the vegetables. Oh, in. absolutely. Just get, just the, vegetables get the vegetables in. and don't, yeah, please don't, don't make it. That, don't not eat them. Because yeah. They're, they're yeah. Not organic. And sometimes they're not that much different. Like if you're at a Rolf's or something, sometimes yeah. they're not as different, but if you, yeah, if you need to get conventional, go for it. Mm-hmm. So you want to get the, you want to get the fiber because animal products don't have any fiber Mm. And, and that's why you're constantly hungry. And yes, and there's yeah. nothing you need something to clear out your colon to mm-hmm. keep your colon healthy. And animal products have a lot of cholesterol and vegan food has no cholesterol. And the fiber binds to yeah. the cholesterol and the sugar in your body and it slows everything down and it kind of it's like, "Oh, hey cholesterol, come with yeah. me." Yeah. And it kind of like cruises <laughs> yeah. like, "We're going to colon." Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a little velcro or a, a vacuum, you know, mm-hmm. it just attaches itself and helps clear out the waste. So it's very important to even if you don't want to be plant-based at all, just make sure you're eating plants because the animal product doesn't have any fiber. We're more fiber deficient than we are protein deficient. Absolutely. So we're That's obsessed with Nobody's this protein deficient. Protein. Yeah. Cre- I just finished yeah. um, Garth Davis's Proteinaholic. Oh, great. Which is, wow. That, I mean, pretty good breakdown. And then you realize where everything came from, where we're so obsessed with it. But really, we should be asking about fiber. Fiber. I love it. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yep. And look at all the plant-based athletes. I show pictures at my talks of uh, Kendrick Ferris who went to the Olympics in Rio. He was our only U.S. Uh, weightlifter. Oh yeah, And right. um, yeah. he's vegan and pushing like 400 pounds over his head. So I show his picture and I sh- so show Serena and Venus Williams, mm-hmm. you know, and of course Rich Roll mm-hmm. and like these people are thriving and nobody's asking them where they get their protein. Well, more importantly, they're not concerned about where they're getting their protein. Right. Yeah, you're right. People are probably asking, but they yeah. they aren't too concerned. And protein is a like if you're not if you're getting enough calories, you're getting mm-hmm. enough protein. If you're yeah. not getting it, like protein deficiency is like a major caloric deficiency. Like you're you're not getting enough, enough calories, calories into right, your body. Right. If someone has an eating disorder or, an, or anorexia or something, that's a whole different story. You know, yeah. eat up. Yeah, eat I'm it, sure there's eat, some protein deficiency there. They're probably the only ones. What do you run into with your clients? Do you have some that just can't get over the hump with the protein? Some are just not, they're just not super interested. They may think they are, but when it comes down to it, they're not. Just not maybe ready yet, which is sad sometimes. Mm. Some feel so much better that it's like a no brainer and they run with it and they stick with it. A lot of them is with the families. Maybe the husband's even on board, but the, kids aren't the wife or opposite you know so how do you steer them like when the wife wants to be plant-based the husband doesn't the the kids are like whatever i sadly think he should cook his own food (laughs) (laughs) well that's what i did to bj i stopped cooking yeah yeah i stopped cooking um chicken i stopped stopped cooking chicken you were pretty much down to chicken i told you i wouldn't touch meat anymore so you were doing your own I was doing chicken and then and I was stuff. started trimming the chicken I just and stopped doing it I was like I just want to untrim it anymore and then I started buying it at Whole Foods cooked in the deli okay and then I got done with that and I moved to like salmon that was cooked in the deli and then I was like done like oh. that was my transformation but yeah. she let me 
discover it. Like she just wasn't going to cook. And then I had to, I had to work it out on my it, own. I think it's like one of the greatest I things you let can them do. Suffer a little bit. Right. I and know. It, Cause I know a lot of vegan wives who just will make their husbands meat just to keep the peace. Yeah. But it's not helping <laughs> but, either, either side. Maybe the eruption is what needs to happen, you know, mm -hmm. in order for them to start taking more responsibility for their health. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what I did. I didn't have a big plan around it. I was just like, I cannot touch this food anymore. I just can't, I cannot handle this thing that used to be a living, breathing, sentient being <laughs> with feelings and a nervous mm -hmm. system that never wanted to die. Okay. I can't do it anymore. So... I stopped. And then inadvertently, again, without any kind of plan, you like went through this own, he went through his own evolution. Like you were like, well, wait a minute, now I have to do it? Well, and then it made you think a little more. Mm -hmm. Like how bad do you, like right now with our coffee, <laughs> we have, we, you hand grind, we have a hand okay. grinder and then we do slow pour. So if you want a cup of coffee in our house, you got to work for it. You got to work for it. Like it's well, no more like better. the grind and brew. You have like the 12 oh. cups and you're just hammering uh -huh. it down. Like if you want, and I, I don't, I, I did drink decaffeinated beans, but yeah, you got to hand grind them. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it brings mindfulness into it. It's like, how much do I want this? Or I could shave off some amazing cacao, cacao. that I have from yeah. Guatemala. Oh, and yes. I could just do like a cup of hot cacao there in the you morning, go. which is amazing. Yeah. If I would have met you when I was younger, I would have been living here with your <laughs> coffee grinder. <laughs> but it takes time. I would have time. sat here at the bar all day. But it is kind of cool. Like you grind it and you can feel the beans grinding down mm -hmm. and it makes an amazing cup of coffee because sure. it's and literally you pour over the water no and you wait for a few minutes and I'm yeah. sure yeah. yeah you gotta so I guess what anyway, I'm saying is anything yeah. that you can do yeah, yeah to yeah. bring more consciousness and and uh, and really thought into how we're feeling our bodies well and that's why because the meat is magically appears in the package at the uh, grocery store mm. people just pick it off the shelf you know that's you, you don't there's nothing of the process right right nobody's seeing we basically pay people to do the horror for us does that make sense yes and so since nobody's seeing it uh, hearing it the, the cries it just is wrapped in saran wrap yeah and those people that are doing that work oh what kind of lives suffering no do they have and it's all oh, it's I all know. trickled down well it's, high high levels of alcoholism and drug addiction and abuse is happening oh, it's amongst very, that population. Very sad. Very, very dark. But this idea of, you know, I got to eat my meat because it's manly. But I just, how manly is it to have somebody else do your dirty work? I know. You know, I have to, because I will just like morph into a ball of depression if I think, you know, because I just, like everyone, we all love animals. Everyone loves animals, you know. So I know it's changing. And I'm really excited because it seems to be changing much more rapidly than I ever imagined. I don't know if I'll live long enough, which makes me sad, but I hope my stepkids and their kids that one day they will say, you guys ate animals? You know, I just feel like we're just on a really, things are changing, but unfortunately we have to, there's a lot, you know, billions of farm animals will die and fish before it happens. And I, I do, I pray for them every day because I hope they'll forgive us and know that it's going to change. And they won't be they won't be suffering anymore, and neither will we. 
of a beautiful way to end. I mean, there's so much, I feel like there's so much more I want to talk to you about, but you are an author, you are plant-based. What's the title again from PCRM? Well, it's called Food for Life. Mm-hmm. And we're basically nutrition and cooking instructors. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm actually an exercise physiologist, but I, I love helping people just learn how delicious and easy it is to cook vegan food. I'm a very simple cook. I'm not a gourmet mm-hmm. vegan cook. I just help people basically breakfast, lunch, dinner, desserts, and snacks that you would make daily. Love it. And you're yeah. a yoga instructor. Are you still yeah. teaching? I, I still get teach to. I teach mainly retreats. I, I get to go to Sedona next weekend, and uh, in February, I'm going to Thailand. Nice. So I just mainly do like workshops and retreats now. I don't teach yoga daily anymore. So, um, which is, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I did it for so long and I miss it. Some days I really miss it, but I know that it was for my evolution. I just needed to switch gears. So I'm really into helping people with food. They're not as interested in food, plant-based food as they were into yoga. <laughs> but it's all coming together. Right. It is. You're right. There's a there's a huge movement right now. And there's many people who listen to this podcast that never thought they would be eating plant-based that are eating plant-based. And mm. I have a mother who is, uh, she, she, I'm not allowed to release her age, but okay. I'll just say she, is, she had me late in life. Mm-hmm. She is completely plant-based she's reversed her diabetes she's off high blood pressure medication and I mean it's it's amazing and I have a sister who was hardcore paleo and now she is pretty much plant-based I think she still does fish but she's going through the phase now where she's like so angry like she's so mad at herself that she ate so much meat and she's can you know, like yeah. we all go through these phases yeah, and I'm like, that's all right. You just keep right. living the we example. Know. I have a brother who's eating mostly plant-based. I mean, oh my gosh, you've been in, in a very successful prophet in your own land. However, <laughs> I have not, I haven't done anything. Wow. All I've done is continue to live my path. And answer their questions because they're curious. Yeah. See, like kind of like you with like your pilot study of maybe yeah. I'm just going to do Ashtanga yoga, yeah. like as a recovering control freak, mm-hmm. this I realized a long time ago, you can't change people. You cannot change no. people. All we can do is sit quietly and notice what's going on within us, but just live what we want to see in the world. And, you know, I, I had learned that when I entered into this plant-based lifestyle and so many people around me now are plant-based and I, I haven't done a thing. That's so cool. Good for you guys. Yeah. It's beautiful to see the trickle effect. Yes. It's great. And like the people you work with, you don't know the friends that they've told so. or, you know, the, then they tell a friend and then that friend has another friend who's sick, you know, with these chronic lifestyle diseases. We just don't understand. We, we cannot imagine the trickle effect of of living um, in a pursuit of, you know, a higher vibration. And mm-hmm. it's so, so powerful. And I was telling someone the other day at yoga, she was talking about kind of the darkness in the world. And I said, and she said, but, you know, I'm, I'm open. And, you know, not everybody's open. And I said, you, you are on the path. Keep going on the path. Mm-hmm. It only takes a few of us to balance out the darkness. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful the light is. That's great. I love it. It gives me hope. Mm-hmm. I have to be. I mean, I just, I feel like every day, like in my own personal life, especially living here, it's just such a bright, amazing world. And vibrationally, you know, I feel horrible for what just happened in Manchester. And it's just hard for me to even wrap my brain around these things. And I, I have a lot of empathy for everybody involved. 
but I'm really blessed that I wake up going, wow, I'm like the luckiest person in the world. So that leads me to um, a final question, unless you have one. There is a lot of intensity in the world. There's a lot of suffering in the world. And so I know what I do in those moments. I mean, for me, it's getting, it's getting quiet, knowing that that's out there. And all I can do is strengthen my own light within me to be more loving and compassionate. But what would you say to somebody who is really caught up in the horror that's in the world and, and what could they do to start being able to, to live amongst it but in a more lighted space? Well, what you said is great. Like work on your own personal vibration and faith. And then I, I definitely am a big proponent of volunteering, of getting involved in your community, whatever speaks to you. I love seniors and animals are the things I do here. <laughs> and um, really kind of getting over myself if I have so much sadness, because like with the animals, I just, my new mantra is one animal at a time. Because if I think of it in the whole spectrum of it. I do a lot with a cat rescue. I help them find their forever homes. And even that can really depress me watching them live in these cabinets. And, but I'm like, but they do get adopted. And so I'm like one cat at a time or giving vegan talks and just hoping that one animal at a time will be spared. But I think it's very important people volunteer, whether it's whatever is your tree, you know, Julia Butterfly Hill, who sat in the redwood tree for two years up in Northern California without her feet touching the ground, trying to save the, her tree in the Pacific, or in the, on the Pacific Northwest, she says, what, what is your tree? What is your tree? My tree's animals, your tree's animals. Somebody else, it might be children, it might be world hunger, it, you know, it might be seniors, it could be fighting cancer. You know, everybody's got their thing that, that really makes them tick and are passionate about. So I encourage everybody, like Julia Butterfly Hill, to, to really get involved and we, we need to get over ourselves. You know, most of us are really super blessed and grateful and just to get out there and share your light and to help other people. And, you know, we can't be depressed. I mean, we can allow ourselves, but then we need to get out there and give back because that's when we get the most joy. I think that was so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I love asking those questions because in my mind, I always have an answer and the answer that comes out is so completely different oh. and beautiful and unique and authentic and just so soothing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for oh, thank coming up here to Carlsbad, awesome. I love North it. County. Yeah, I'm going to email you a couple of my friends. Who you Okay, episode 57 with Kathleen Kastner, wellness coach, plant-based cooking instructor, author, and yogi. Thanks so much for tuning in and supporting the show. If you want to connect with Kathleen, please check out the show notes and the accompanying blog post of this episode on yogitriathlete.com. We've got everything you need there, including a link to her YouTube channel where she's got tons of recipe demo videos. If you want to take your support of the YTP a little deeper, you can start by sharing your favorite episode with your network. You can use the Amazon banner ad, which is also found on the blog post page, or leave, or how about and, and leave a review on iTunes. Thank you to everyone who has done that. I noticed that we have a couple more reviews this week, and you have no idea how much this helps us with trying to get our iTunes ranking up. You know, our mission here is to create a better world. And the more people that we can expose the YTP to, the better the world is going to be. I honestly feel that so deep in my heart. Thank you so much, you guys, for everyone who has left a review and everyone who is going to go to the page right now and leave one on iTunes. 
But if you are tapped out in all of those directions that you are just sharing, you're using, you're banging on that Amazon banner ad, you've already left your review, you can go one more step to the Patreon page and pledge a monthly donation of your choosing. No dollar amount is too little and everything is received deep into our hearts. Thank you to those who have pledged your generosity absolutely blows us away. All right, you guys keep finding yourself and remember there's nothing to learn. You're already there. It's just about peeling back the layers to let your purpose, power, and more epic self out into the world. Like, can you be brave enough to let yourself fully out into the world? So until next week, bet big, follow your heart, and never underestimate the impact you are having in the world.